0: We want it now. This is the Lifespring Family Audio Bible, and I'm sure glad you're here today. I'm coming to you from Riverside, California, and podcasting since 2004. I'm your OG Godcaster, Steve Webb. This is the daily podcast where we're reading through the entire Bible in a year. Our reading today is 1 Samuel 21-25, through and I'm calling the episode, In the Fullness of Time. Let's get to it. 1 Samuel chapter 21 David went to the priest Ahimelech in Nob. Ahimelech came out trembling to meet him and said, Why did you come here all by yourself? I'm here on the king's business, David answered. He told me not to let anyone know what he sent me to do. As for my men, I've told them to meet me at a certain place. Now then, what supplies do you have? Give me five loaves of bread, or anything else you have. The priest said, I don't have any ordinary bread, only sacred bread. You can have it if your men haven't had sexual relations recently. Of course they haven't, answered David. My men always keep themselves ritually pure, even when we go out on an ordinary mission. How much more this time when we are on a special mission? So the priest gave David the sacred bread because the only bread he had was the loaves offered to God, which had been removed from the sacred table and replaced by fresh bread. Saul's chief herdsman, Doeg, who was from Edom, happened to be there that day because he had to fulfill a religious obligation. David said to Ahimelech, Do you have a spear or a sword you can give me? The king's orders made me leave in such a hurry that I didn't have time to get my sword or any other weapon. Ahimelech answered, I have the sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom you killed in Elah Valley. It is behind the ephod, wrapped in a cloth. If you want to take it, take it. It's the only weapon here. Give it to me, David said. There is not a better sword anywhere. So David left, fleeing from Saul, and went to King Achish of Gath. The king's officials said to Achish, Isn't this David, the king of his country? This is the man about whom the women sang as they danced, Saul has killed thousands, but David has killed tens of thousands. Their words made a deep impression on David, and he became very much afraid of King Achish. So whenever David was around them, he pretended to be insane and acted like a madman when they tried to restrain him. He would scribble on the city gates and let spit drool down his beard. So Achish said to his officials, Look, the man is crazy. Why did you bring him to me? Don't I have enough madmen already?" Why bring another one to bother me with his crazy actions right here in my own house? 1 Samuel chapter 22 David fled from the city of Gath and went to a cave near the town of Adullam. When his brothers and the rest of the family heard that he was there, they joined him. People who were oppressed or in debt or dissatisfied went to him, about four hundred men in all, and he became their leader. David went on from there to Mizpah in Moab and said to the king of Moab, Please let my father and mother come and stay with you until I find out what God is going to do for me. So David left his parents with the king of Moab, and they stayed there as long as David was hiding out in the cave. Then the prophet Gad came to David and said, Don't stay here, go at once to the land of Judah. So David left and went to the forest of Hereth. One day Saul was in Gibeah, sitting under a tamarisk tree on a hill with his spear in his hand and all his officers were standing around him. He was told that David and his men had been located, and he said to his officers, Listen, men of Benjamin, do you think that David will give fields and vineyards to all of you and make you officers in his army? Is that why you are plotting against me? Not one of you told me that my own son had made an alliance with David. No one is concerned about me or tells me that David, one of my own men, is right now looking for a chance to kill me and that my son has encouraged him. Doeg was standing there with Saul's officers, and he said, I saw David when he went to Ahimelech, son of Ahitub, in Nob. Ahimelech asked the Lord what David should do, and then he gave David some food and the sword of Goliath the Philistine. So King Saul sent for the priest Ahimelech and all his relatives, who were also priests in Nob, and they came to him. Saul said to Ahimelech, Listen, Ahimelech. At your service, sir, he answered. Saul asked him, Why are you and David plotting against me? Why did you give him some food and a sword, and consult God for him? Now he is turned against me, and is waiting for a chance to kill me. Ahimelech answered, David is the most faithful officer you have. He is your own son-in-law, captain of your bodyguard, and highly respected by everyone in the royal court. Yes, I consulted God for him, and it wasn't the first time. As for plotting against you... Your majesty must not accuse me or anyone else in my family. I don't know anything about this matter. The king said, Ahimelech, you and all your relatives must die. Then he said to the guards standing near him, Kill the Lord's priests. They conspired with David and did not tell me that he had run away, even though they knew it all along. But the guards refused to lift a hand to kill the Lord's priests. So Saul said to Doeg, You kill them. And Doeg killed them all. On that day, he killed 85 priests who were qualified to carry the ephod. Saul also had all the other inhabitants of Nob, the city of priests, put to death. Men and women, children and babies, cattle, donkeys, and sheep. They were all killed. But Abiathar, one of Ahimelech's sons, escaped and went and joined David. He told him how Saul had slaughtered the priests of the Lord. David said to him, When I saw Doeg there that day, I knew he would be sure to tell Saul so I am responsible for the death of all your relatives. Stay with me and don't be afraid. Saul wants to kill both you and me, but you will be safe with me. 1 Samuel chapter 23 David was told, The Philistines are fighting against the town of Keilah. They are stealing grain from the threshing floors. So he asked the Lord for advice. He said, Should I go and attack those Philistines? The Lord answered him, Go and attack them. Save Keilah. But David's men said to him, We're afraid here in Judah. Suppose we go to Keilah and fight against the Philistine army. Then we'll be even more afraid. Once again David asked the Lord what he should do. The Lord answered him, Go down to Keilah. I'm going to hand the Philistines over to you. So David and his men went to Keilah. They fought against the Philistines and carried off their livestock. David wounded and killed large numbers of Philistines and he saved the people of Keilah. Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, had brought the linen apron down with him from Nob. He did it when he ran away to David at Keilah. Saul was told that David had gone to Keilah. He said, God has handed him over to me. David has trapped himself by entering a town that has gates and heavy metal bars. So Saul brought together all of his soldiers to go to battle. He ordered them to go down to Keilah. He told them to surround David and his men. He told them to get ready to attack them. David learned that Saul was planning to attack him. So he said to the priest Abiathar, Bring the linen apron. Then David said, Lord, you are the God of Israel. I know for sure that Saul plans to come to Keilah. He plans to destroy the town because of me. Will the citizens of Keilah hand me over to him? Will Saul come down here as I've heard he would? Lord, you are the God of Israel. Please answer me. The Lord said, he will come down. Again David asked, Will the citizens of Keilah hand me and my men over to Saul? And the Lord said, They will. So David and his men left Keilah. The total number of them was about six hundred. They kept moving from place to place. Saul was told that David had escaped from Keilah, so he didn't go there. Sometimes David stayed in places of safety in the desert. At other times he stayed in the hills of the desert of Ziph, Day after day, Saul looked for him, but God didn't hand David over to him. David was at Horesh in the desert of Ziph. There he learned that Saul had come out to kill him. Saul's son Jonathan went to David at Horesh. He told David that God would make him strong. Don't be afraid, he said. My father Saul won't lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel, and I will be next in command. Even my father Saul knows this. The two of them made a covenant in the sight of the Lord. Then Jonathan went home, but David remained at Horash. The people of Ziph went up to Saul at Gibeah. They said, David is hiding among us. He's hiding in places of safety at Horesh. Horesh is south of Jeshimon on the hill of Hekilah. King Saul, come down when it pleases you to come. It will be our duty to hand David over to you. Saul replied, May the Lord bless you because you were concerned about me. Make sure you are right. Go and check things out again. Find out where David usually goes. Find out who has seen him there. People tell me he's very tricky. Find out about all of the hiding places he uses. Come back to me with all the facts. I'll go with you. Suppose he's in the area. Then I'll track him down among all the family groups of Judah. So they started out. They went to Ziph ahead of Saul. David and his men were in the desert of Maon. Maon is south of Jeshimon in the Arabah Valley. Saul and his men started out to look for David. David was told about it, so he went down to a rock in the desert of Maon to hide. Saul heard he was there, so he went into the desert of Maon to chase David. Saul was going along one side of the mountain. David and his men were on the other side. They were hurrying to get away from Saul. Saul and his army were closing in on David and his men. They were about to capture them. Just then a messenger came to Saul. He said, Come quickly, the Philistines are attacking the land. So Saul stopped chasing David. He went to fight against the Philistines. That's why they call that place Selah Hamalikov. David left that place. He went and lived in places of safety near En-Gedi. 1 Samuel 24 Saul returned from chasing the Philistines. Then he was told, David is in the desert of En-Gedi. So Saul took 3,000 of his best soldiers from the whole nation of Israel. He started out to look for David and his men. He planned to look near the rocky cliffs of the wild goats. He came to some sheep pens along the way. A cave was there. Saul went in to go to the toilet. David and his men were far back in the cave. David's men said, This is the day the Lord told you about. He said to you, I will hand your enemy over to you, then you can deal with him as you want to. So David came up close to Saul without being seen. He cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Later, David felt sorry that he'd cut off a corner of Saul's robe. He said to his men, May the Lord keep me from doing a thing like that to my master again. He is the Lord's anointed king. So I promise that I will never lift my hand to strike him down. The Lord has anointed him. David said that to warn his men. He didn't allow them to attack Saul. So Saul left the cave and went on his way. Then David went out of the cave. He called out to Saul, King Saul, my master. When Saul looked behind him, David bowed down. He lay down flat with his face toward the ground. He said to Saul, Why do you listen when men say David is trying to harm you? This very day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord handed you over to me in the cave. Some of my men begged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will never lift my hand to strike my master down. He is the Lord's anointed king. Look, my father, look at this piece of your robe in my hand. I cut off the corner of your robe, but I didn't kill you. I want you to know and understand that I'm not guilty of doing anything wrong. I haven't turned against you. I haven't done anything to harm you. But you are hunting me down. You want to kill me. May the Lord judge between you and me. And may the Lord pay you back because of the wrong things you have done to me. But I won't lay a hand on you. People say, evil acts come from those who do evil. So I won't lay a hand on you. King Saul, who are you trying to catch? Who do you think you are chasing? I'm nothing but a dead dog or a flea. May the Lord be our judge. May He decide between us. May He consider my case and stand up for me. May He show that I'm not guilty of doing anything wrong. May he save me from your powerful hand. When David finished speaking, Saul asked him a question. He said, My son David, is that your voice? And Saul sobbed out loud. You are a better person than I am, he said. You have treated me well, but I have treated you badly. You have just now told me about the good things you did to me. The Lord handed me over to you, but you didn't kill me. Suppose a man finds his enemy. He doesn't let him get away without harming him. May the Lord reward you with many good things. May he do it because of the way you treated me today. I know for sure that you will be king. I know that the kingdom of Israel will be made secure under your control. Now take an oath in the name of the Lord. Promise me that you won't cut off my children from my family. Also, promise me that you won't wipe out my name from my family line. So David took an oath and made that promise to Saul. Then Saul returned home, but David and his men went up to his usual place of safety. 1 Samuel chapter 25 Samuel died. The whole nation of Israel gathered together. They were filled with sorrow because he was dead. They buried his body at his home in Ramah. Then David went down into the desert of Maon. A certain man in Maon was very wealthy. He owned property there at Carmel. He had a thousand goats and three thousand sheep. He was clipping the wool off the sheep in Carmel. His name was Nabal. His wife's name was Abigail. She was a wise and beautiful woman, but her husband was rude and mean in the way he treated others. He was from the family of Caleb. David was staying in the desert of Maon. While he was there, he heard that Nabal was clipping the wool off his sheep. So he sent for ten young men. He said to them, Go up to Nabal at Carmel. Greet him for me. Say to him, May you live a long time, may everything go well with you and your family, and may things go well with everything that belongs to you. I hear that you are clipping the wool off your sheep. When your shepherds were with us, we treated them well. The whole time they were at Carmel, nothing that belonged to them was stolen. Ask your own servants, they'll tell you. We've come to you now at a happy time of the year. Please show favor to my young men. PLEASE GIVE ME AND MY MEN ANYTHING YOU CAN FIND FOR US. WHEN DAVID'S MEN ARRIVED, THEY GAVE NABAL THE MESSAGE FROM DAVID. THEN THEY WAITED. NABAL ANSWERED DAVID'S SERVANTS, WHO IS THIS DAVID? WHO IS THIS SON OF JESSE? MANY SERVANTS ARE RUNNING AWAY FROM THEIR MASTERS THESE DAYS. WHY SHOULD I GIVE AWAY MY BREAD AND WATER? WHY SHOULD I GIVE AWAY THE MEAT I'VE PREPARED FOR THOSE WHO CLIP THE WOOL OFF MY SHEEP? WHY SHOULD I GIVE FOOD TO MEN WHO COME FROM WHO KNOWS WHERE? So David's men turned around and went back. When they arrived, they reported to David every word Nabal had spoken. David said to his men, Put on your swords. So they put their swords on. David put his on too. About four hundred men went up with David. Two hundred men stayed behind with the supplies. One of the servants warned Nabal's wife, Abigail. He said, David sent some messengers from the desert to give his greetings to our master. But Nabal shouted at them and made fun of them. David's men had been very good to us. They treated us well. The whole time we were near them out on the fields, nothing was stolen. We were taking care of our sheep near them. During that time, they were like a wall around us, night and day. They kept us safe. Now think it over. See what you can do. Horrible trouble will soon come to our master and his whole family. He's such an evil man that no one can even talk to him. Abigail didn't waste any time. She got two hundred loaves of bread and two bottles of wine. The bottles were made out of animal skins. She got five sheep that were ready to be cooked. She got a bushel of grain that had been cooked. She got a hundred raisin cakes. She got two hundred cakes of pressed figs. She loaded all of it on the back of donkeys. Then she told her servants, Go on ahead, I'll follow you. But she didn't tell her husband Nabal about it. Abigail rode her donkey into a mountain valley. There she saw David and his men. They were coming down toward her. David had just said, "Everything we've done hasn't been worth a thing. I watched over that fellow's property in the desert. I made sure none of it was taken, but he has paid me back evil for good. I won't leave even one of his men alive until morning. If I do, may God punish me greatly." When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey. She bowed down in front of David with her face toward the ground. She fell at his feet. she said, please let me speak to you, sir. Listen to what I'm saying. Let me take the blame myself. Don't pay any attention to that evil man, Nabal. His name means foolish person, and that's exactly what he is. He's always doing foolish things. I'm sorry I didn't get a chance to see the men you sent. Sir, the Lord has kept you from killing Nabal and his men. He's kept you from using your own hands to get even. May what's about to happen to Nabal happen to all of your enemies. May it also happen to everyone who wants to harm you. And may it happen just as surely as the Lord and you are alive. I've brought a gift for you. Give it to the men who follow you. Please forgive me for what I've done wrong. The Lord will certainly give you and your family line a kingdom that will last. That's because you fight the Lord's battles. Don't do anything wrong as long as you live. Someone may chase you and try to kill you. But the Lord your God will keep your life safe like a treasure that is hidden in a bag and He'll destroy your enemies. Their lives will be thrown away, just as a stone is thrown from a sling. The Lord will do for you every good thing He promised to do. He'll appoint you leader over Israel. When that happens, you won't have this heavy load on your mind. You won't have to worry about how you killed people without any reason. You won't have to worry about how you got even. The Lord will give you success. When that happens, please remember Me. David said to Abigail, Give praise to the Lord. He is the God of Israel. He has sent you today to find me. May the Lord bless you for what you have done. You have shown a lot of good sense. You have kept me from killing Nabal and his men this very day. You have kept me from using my own hands to get even. It's a good thing you came quickly to meet me. If you hadn't come, not one of Nabal's men would have been left alive by sunrise. And that's just as sure as the Lord, the God of Israel, is alive. He has kept me from harming you. Then David accepted from her what she had brought him. He said, Go home in peace. I've heard your words. I'll do what you have asked. Abigail went back to Nabal. He was having a dinner party in the house. It was the kind of dinner a king would have. He had been drinking too much wine. He was very drunk, so she didn't tell him anything at all until sunrise. The next morning Nabal wasn't drunk anymore. Then his wife told him everything. When she did his heart grew weak he became like a stone about 10 days later the lord struck nabal down and he died david heard that nabal was dead so he said give praise to the lord nabal made fun of me but the lord stood up for me he has kept me from doing something wrong he has paid nabal back for the wrong things he did then david sent a message to abigail he asked her to become his wife his servants went to carmel they said to abigail "'David has sent us to you. "'He wants you to come back with us and become his wife.' Abigail bowed down with her face toward the ground. She said, "'Here I am. "'I'm ready to serve him. "'I'm ready to wash the feet of his servants.' Abigail quickly got on a donkey and went with David's messengers. Her five female servants went with her. She became David's wife. David had also gotten married to Ahinoam from Jezreel. Both of them became his wives.' But Saul had given his daughter Michael, David's first wife, to Paltiel. Paltiel was from Gallim. He was the son of Laish. In chapter 23 today, we saw that Saul was still after David, and he almost had him. But God intervened with the report of the Philistines attacking the land. And then in chapter 24, we saw that David had the perfect opportunity to take Saul out. But David spared Saul's life because Saul was still God's appointed king. Yes, David had been appointed to become the king of Israel. God chose him, but he had not chosen to remove Saul just yet. God's timing is rarely our timing. Have you noticed that? Remember his promise to Abram that he would make him a great nation? Abram waited 25 years for the birth of his first son. David knew that it was not his place to rush God. He knew that when God made a promise, he would fulfill it in his time. And in our age of nearly instant gratification, we are not very good at waiting, are we? We want it now. But waiting can be a good thing. Maybe we're not ready to receive this thing we want. Maybe it isn't something that we should have at all. If it is for us to have, maybe God is just testing our faith. There's a phrase that we see in the Bible quite often. Have you heard it? The phrase is, in the fullness of time. So many things in our lives depend on the fullness of time. A child comes in the fullness of time. A new job comes in the fullness of time. My children moved out of the shelter of our home in the fullness of time. My four grandchildren came in the fullness of time, and now there's another little granddaughter on the way who will come in the fullness of time. None of these things could be or should be rushed. God knows what the perfect time is, and He knows what the perfect time is for you. Are you waiting for something? Are you impatient for that thing to happen? It will, in the fullness of time. Wait on God. Go about your life serving Him, loving Him, following Him, and in the fullness of time, God will bring it to you. What are your thoughts? Do you have difficulty waiting on God's timing? Like me, are you impatient? Tell me about it at LifespringMedia.com slash S12E106. That's where you can comment on this episode. We'll read Psalms 45 through 47 tomorrow. Boost. Beloved, who could you share this show with? Who do you know that would enjoy it? Who would benefit from it? Tell them face-to-face or text them a link or email the link. Let people know about the show. It'll mean more coming from you than anyone else. Share it on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. No Agenda Social, any Mastodon instance. Now, here's an easy link to share, audiobible.link. Just send that link, and they'll go right to the Lifespring Family Audio Bible page at lifespringmedia.com. It's easy peasy. And did you know that we're told in God's Word that we should pray for one another? Praying for one another is a good thing, as is rejoicing with one another. And if you have a prayer request or a praise that you'd like to share with the Lifespring family, you can do that at prayer.lifespringmedia.com. So I just told you a few things that you could do to be involved with the show. I did that because we don't have listeners here. If you're listening, you're part of the Lifespring family. And a healthy family communicates with one another. They contribute. They're involved with the family. And that's what I want from you, to contribute, to participate, to get involved. Be part of what makes this show work. On this date in church history, December 14th, 1836, Francis Ridley Havergal was born. Francis was an English devotional poet who was an incessant writer. She wrote a number of enduring hymns, including Take My Life and Let It Be, Lord Speak to Me that I May Speak, and Who is on the Lord's Side. As a matter of fact, I did an episode of Life Spring Hymn Stories on the hymn Take My Life and Let It Be. I'll put a link on the show notes page to that episode of Life Spring Hymn Stories if you'd like to listen. And what is the show notes page? Lifespringmedia.com S12E106. Also on December 14th, 1853, Illinois Institute was opened by the Wesleyans. And in 1860, the financially troubled institution requested help from the wealthier Congregationalists. Jonathan Blanchard, a Presbyterian pastor and academic, was appointed president, and the school changed its name to Wheaton College. Beloved, your donation is very much needed to help keep the Lifespring Family Audio Bible coming to your podcast app. If you're listening to the show, it must have some value to you. Would you be sorry to see it end? Then help keep it alive. I'm not asking for a fixed amount. You decide what it's worth to you. Then go to LifespringMedia.com support and send that amount. I'm confident God will bless you and I'll be very thankful. Let's pray, shall we? Our Heavenly Father, we thank You that You are a God of order. You don't create chaos. And one aspect of the order that You create is time. You have an appointed time for everything. Lord, we ask that You would give us patience as we wait on Your timing. You know when the time is right for everything. Help us to wait for Your time. You're never early. You're never late. Help us to remember that. I ask, Lord, that you be with each Lifespring member today. Bless them and help them to see your work, your hand in their life. Thank you for bringing each one to the Lifespring family. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Remember, when you send your prayer requests in, I will pray for you in my daily private prayer time, and I'll pray for you on the show so that we can all agree together as we take our requests to God. And be sure to send your praises as well. It's so encouraging to hear how God is working in your life. I have a Jomie Wilson for you again today on The Hammered Dulcimer with God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen. I hope you like it. Until tomorrow, may God bless you richly. Thanks for being here. I'm Steve Webb. See you tomorrow. Bye.